listening to Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Hi, everyone. Ashley Brown here. Welcome to this. Well, I'm not going to call it an emergency uh, podcast for the Hawks Insiders because emergency uh, suggests something bad has happened. It's actually been a very good Sunday very good Easter Sunday for the Hawks. So we thought we'd have a quick reaction podcast and get everyone in the mood for, well, let's face it, what is Hawthorne's grand final for 2023 at the MCG tomorrow? A big game, but lots of good news to discuss. In the meantime, hello, Danny Prince. Hello, Ash. Uh, great to be here on the back of some fantastic news and really excited even more so now for tomorrow. So yeah, looking forward to having a chat. Compliments of the day to you. Has it been a good Easter so far for you in the Prince household? It's been a very great, relaxed, uh, enjoyable Easter. We uh, were at church on Good Friday. We spent lots of time with family and friends and just reflected on what it means for us. And yeah, it's been um, it's been really good. I hope it's been great for everybody. And Darren Levine, hello. Happy Passover. Are you, like me, suffering from a food coma over the last four days? Absolutely, Ash. I'd be happy to not see food again for the foreseeable future. I uh, had my fill of unleavened cakes and um, my colons are struggling. Your matzo ball soup looked very good on the uh, socials. Yeah, my mum is an absolute whiz um, with matzo balls. So if anyone wants a recipe, just hit, just DM me and I'll send it over. <laughs> Danny, do you know, even know what that is? <laughs> uh, soft or hard uh, matzo balls? This oh, is a hard, soft. Oh, uh, how, soft? how can that be a question? Are you hard? Matzo ball household. Actually. No, I'm from a, I'm from a hard matzo ball family married into a soft matzo ball family. So right. I, I prefer the latter. So I hope my mum's not listening. All right. So as we said, a couple of big announcements for Hawthorne on this Easter Sunday. So we all thought we would we'll try and squeeze it into the review pod or even wait for spaces uh, later in the week. So we're going to do the in the order in which they dropped. First one have been speculated upon for a little while. We might have dropped a hint or two um, about it. Over the last few days, Will Day has signed a four-year deal at Hawthorne, keeps him through to the end of 2027, which will be his free agency year. So a smart sort of play by him and his manager, committing long-term to the footy club in the interim and staving off what we think was pretty strong interest from Adelaide, which I think given the way they've started the season, may have been a fairly attractive place to go back and play some footy. And I imagine Port Adelaide, uh, would have been into him as well, if not to, to mention a couple of greedy Victorian clubs too. So uh, your thoughts, Daz, when this news officially hit your inbox this morning? Oh, I mean, I I was wrapped and I've been saying how bittersweet it's been feeling to do these review pods where Will Day's pretty much been our best player in, in each of the three games and um, the the uncertainty around his contract. I mean, I, I really thought he was he was gone and I think a lot of the chatter around buying properties in Adelaide and a lot of their interest off the back of some pretty great performances. Um, I was, I was really nervous. So it was a great feeling and I can now celebrate Will Day going from strength to strength without any hint of uh, a bit, any sort of bittersweet taste. So I, I was really wrapped to hear that news this morning. It's interesting because we had uh, someone came to us with some mail a few weeks ago saying he he wants to be traded. He's already told the club that he uh, he wants to move back to Adelaide. And I think we for some reason we all bought a hook, line, and sinker. And I've been a bit reserved in our uh, adulation for Will Day this season. Also, I guess want to see him you know take the next step. He's been a, he's been a slow tease 
I think, for Hawthorne. And he's only been three weeks. And the footy history is littered full of players who the week after signing a contract deal can barely get a kick. So there's that added pressure heading to the game, the MCG tomorrow. But Danny, you've been a hard and fast Will Day fan from day one. Uh, your thoughts? I I think it's just, um, it's incredibly exciting for the club. It's incredibly exciting for Will. Um, he can know, I guess, that his uh, future is sorted and he can just go about getting better and um, trying to replicate the footy that he's played in the last couple of weeks and build from that. Um, as you mentioned, like he's had a, he, he he's had a spluttering start to his career because every time he looks like he's about to get going, he's been knocked down by injury. But I, th- I feel like he really looks He hasn't physically... played Easter Monday yet. He hasn't. That's right. And I think that's indicative of, um, of sort of the Will Day experience to this point, right? It's been um, lots of uh, promise and excitement in small patches. And I think, you know, I know this season's only three weeks old, but um, three rounds old, but he looks physically more ready. He looks developed. He looks um, like he's growing into his body. He's getting adjusted to the physicality of AFL footy. And um, and I think this contract is a, a fair, you know, reward and reflection for the work that he's put in and for the promise that he holds. I think, you know, I, I've said this on a number of times. He's one of the most exciting players we have on our list um, and will remain to be that unless we bring in Harley Reid next year. He's he's an unreal footballer. He does a lot of things um, that most footballers can't do. And I think we chatted in the, in the space on Wednesday night uh, with Nat and AJ about you know, some of those things that he has, some of those tools that he has that other players don't have in his position at his size. We, we forget sometimes he's 191 centimetres. He's a couple of centimetres short shorter than Jared Ruffhead. Um, and he plays as a as a halfback flanker and he's transitioning into a midfielder. He He's going to be a very special player for this football club for a long time. And before I give up the mic, the one thing I want to say is I reckon this deal as a four-year deal, 21-year-old heading into free agency, I reckon this almost signals he's a Hawthorne player for life. And the reason I say that is because if he goes into 2027, which is when his contract ends, um, the aim is if Hawthorne gets their act together on field, he's not leaving a football club as it's peaking. There's no way. And if the, if if it goes the way that we think it goes, that we hope it goes, there's a very good chance he's captaining this football club at that time. He doesn't leave. I'm sorry. You know, he's positioned it perfectly. The club have positioned it perfectly um, for this to be just the next step in Will Day being a one-club player. And, you know, sign me up for all of that. It's interesting you say that. Uh, you're right in that the timing is is great. 2027 is around the time, 2027, 8, 27, 28 is also the time that Tasmania is slated to turn at the competition. Now, he is the sort of player, if he ascends the way he is, you know, that uh, the AFL will be very keen to extract some marquee footballers out of clubs and move them to Tasmania. And a guy like Will Day, you would think in four or five years' time, will be right in the hitting zone for Tasmania as well. So the, 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 obviously it'll be the... the the law of going home to the Crows or the power. You know, if the Hawthorne plans going as is, the premiership window should be fully ajar by then and he'd be very hardcore for him to walk away. But don't discount the AFL and their checkbooks coming into play as they did for Gary Ablett. Not to say he's you know, the Gary Ablett of the competition in four years' time, but, I mean, there was uh, certainly some AFL action involved to get Ablett up to the Gold Coast as, as initial captain. They will stock Tasmania with marquee players. They'll 
stock Tasmania to be really competitive from day one. And Will Day will be one of a number of players, not just Hawthorne, from across the competition, right in their prime in four years' time, who could be targeted. But uh, we can deal with that a bit further down the track. Yeah, I was also very pleased to see the news. I mean, he's he made... He, he did the media interview today, which I think might have been Hawthorne staffers only because I certainly heard Jackson Payne's uh, voice asking a couple of questions at the Will Day Press. He did a good piece with Sam Landsberger in the Herald Sun today. So I think they, he was given the heads up exclusive about it. Um, and he made the valid point that, you know, if Mitchell and Amira assault the club, he's not playing the midfield. So this is the, this is all, this is exhibit A for what Sam Mitchell plan for Hawthorne has been to fast track, give these guys midfield exposure and let them learn the caper. And the stats, you know, the what are, what has Hawthorne got from number 18 to number one yeah. in centre clearances? So the decision that Hawthorne have made with regards to list management, and we we put we keep putting Jack Gunston to the side because Gunst, they want Gunston to stay chose to leave. But the decision Hawthorne made on list management is being vindicated with every week that's gone so far. And that's not passing any comment on how Mitchell and Amir are going at their new clubs. I know there was a bit of comment in our WhatsApp yesterday about one of them and how he's going for his new club. But it just makes the decision made all the sense to go the way they did, made all the sense in the world. The suspicion was with a bulked up full preseason, Will Day has the makings of good of a great midfielder. It's been three games in, so let's not uh, get too excited and not be fascinated as he performs against. If he plays well in the big stage, the biggest stage there will be for Hawthorne for the rest of the season at the MCG tomorrow. Well, the decision, you know, you stand up and applaud everybody for making the move they have. But uh, all indications were that the list management decisions were the right one. And so far, three games in, admittedly, Will Day's uh, certainly vindicated decisions that have been made, Daz. Yeah, and uh, it was interesting because uh, I think some of those comments were reiterated by Sis. Um, today uh, being interviewed by Kane Corns just about this whole tanking um, beat up and his comments w- were precisely that, that they'd moved on O'Meara and Mitchell and given opportunities to to some of the young players, including Day. And you just have to look at the stat sheet to, sh- to show how um, that decision's playing out. So, yeah, absolutely. Just w- and wonderful sort of timing, as Danny said, just to, to have those four years of security um, and he's going to be really coming into his peak when a lot of these other guys on our list are, are going to be on the rise as well. So it, it's brilliant timing. I really love the video that the club put out with Dylan Moore interviewing um, Day walking around. I think their local is in, I actually Googled, Googled it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's in, it's in Sandringham. So I'm going to, going to just head, head down to, to Sandringham tomorrow just for a, a lazy coffee. Um, uh, Dylan Moore's uh, order of choice is a latte in case anyone didn't watch the video. So I, I learned a lot from that video and, and obviously learned about the camaraderie that those two are building. And they're going to be um, two very, very vital pieces in in our premiership puzzle and, um, you know, very much the the young leaders of the club. So, yeah, it's just, well, a, it's just a great day all around. Well, the article in the Herald Sun said that they, they share a house in Hyatt um, so Sandy's sort of a short drive. It's like if, like I live in Caulfield, I want to go to Elstonwick for you know decent, trendy coffee. It's the same thing. You drive, live in Hyatt, you you drive to Sandy or Hampton to get your to get your 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 great high quality coffee. But what it does say is that the uh, the Hawks are on the move. The players, whereas I used to reside a lot in Richmond and then jump on the freeway to go down to Waverley. The push to the Bayside suburbs 
in anticipation of, and we'll talk about this in a sec, uh, the move to Dingley is on. If I was a enterprising Bayside real estate agent, I'd be ringing Will Day very, very soon with, uh, have I got a house for you? Something very pleasant in, uh, in Black Rock or Sandy or Hampton or somewhere like that, or Brighton, and uh, and get these cashed up hawks who are mm. resigning. Getting somewhere nice where it's a nice, fairly straightforward commute down South Road to Dingley because uh, that's where they're they're going to be. Okay, so we've seen the upside for Will Day. He, you know, he's in the midfield now. He's probably we're going to enjoy what trying to debate now. It'll be like the old, it could be like the old Hodge Mitchell debates. We used to have the ten, who's the better, uh, who's the better midfielder. We'll have those conversations with you know who's better, Newcomb or Day. What's a conversation Daniel will enjoy having for the next little while. Uh, that might be an internal struggle I have with myself for the next little while, Ash, let alone an external conversation. But yeah, absolutely. I think, and um, and the other beautiful thing is I think there's a few others that could come in and uh, challenge that mantle as well. So um, it's a good position to have, but really at the, at the same time, you know, these guys are just starting their journey. You know, uh, John Newcomb obviously has had last year, had a great year um, and, and Will Day started this year incredibly well too, but um there's a long, long way to go, and there's a lot of filling out through that midfield roster and the rest of the rest of the football club. But um, I think the the most exciting thing is, you know, these young guys that have so much promise, so much talent, um, are so connected to our club. So we talked about Dilmore, we talked about Will Day. You know, you just referenced John Newcomb. These are all either Hawthorne supporters or um, have Hawthorne ties in in one in way, shape, or form. And um, you know, when you add in a few of these other guys as well, like Cam McKenzie and Josh Ward, um, you're really starting to build out guys that are going to put it all out there for the club. And if we go back to the you know the the game in against the Ruse uh, last weekend, that that iconic now photo of Dylan Moore tugging at the jersey and really showing how passionate he is about it. I, I think just um, if you're a Hawks fan, sit back and expect a lot more of that because for some of these guys, it means more than just their job. Uh, and you can see that. And I think that that's adds another layer of, of excitement. And for Hawks fans like us, we're passionate about it. It adds a little bit of connectivity between us as fans and them as players. Cause we're like, well, deep down, they're a little bit like us, maybe not as psychotic, but they're a little bit like us. And I think that's really cool. I wonder if um, Will's, obviously his grandfather being a premiership player for Hawthorne played into that decision maybe a bit more than if he was at another Melbourne club. I think if he was um, at a Richmond or, you know, a club with where he had sort of no ties, whether the lure back home would have been a bit stronger because it did seem like he had some unfinished business at Hawthorne. And certainly in the comments, you know, obviously a player is going to say that they weren't thinking about any other offers and they wanted to stay, but... I uh, get the sense with Will that he there's a family family legacy there for him to to sort of uh, live up to and preserve, and I think that must have played into his decision. Maybe he convinced his uh, son to Airbnb Will's bedroom, so there's actually nowhere for him to <laughs> stay when he goes home anymore. I thought, well, I might as well stay in Melbourne because that's where I've got a bed to sleep in. Uh, who should be next? Last quick one before we move on to the next topic. Who should be the next re-signing at Hawthorne? Is Tyler Brockman done? It? I mean, it's been one game. Do we want, is Tyler Brockman someone we should be looking at in the next few weeks to maybe bed down for a bit longer? I, I think so. I think, um, you know, look, it's early doors, right? And he, he was very impressive his first game uh, and his first game for a long period of time. Uh, but, but, but players that 
have X factor that can kick goals, small forwards like that, that excite the crowd, that bring people through the turnstiles. They're few and far between. So when you've got one on your list, I think you've got to try to lock him down. And um, and I, I just feel like Brockman's going to grow this year. I feel like he's going to um, get used to the rigors of AFL and I think he's going to explode soon. So I'd be trying to tie him down before, uh, before somebody else gets in his ears, i.e. West Coast with their rebuild that they've got going on and their plethora of picks. Um, you know, they, they're very good at um, bringing people back home to WA. I think we should be trying to, um, to lock Brockman down and, um, and make him a part of the foundation of this premiership tilt going forward. The next item on the list is uh, also came out. It came initially via Victorian state government release that the $15 million has long been earmarked for Dingley, the missing $15 million. If you, listen to Jeff Kennett on election night at uh, the Hawthorne AGM, uh, has been earmarked for Hawke, the Tonnets Way, which really completes the three levels of government funding now for Dingley. I think there's still some more fundraising from within the club and through the foundation to take place, but more or less all three levels of government have now committed to Dingley to set it up as the home for Hawthorne AFLW, I said from December 2024, but I'm not sure what that means, the whole facility or whether it'll be AFLW ready for season 2024 remains to be seen but Gower said the money will be forthcoming uh he seemed to be pretty chilled and relaxed about it when challenged and said yeah things are in train and Daz the good news arrived this morning so Dingley is more or less taken care of now yeah that's right and I think it's, it's probably more likely 2025 that we see some games there 500 capacity um, is really exciting and definitely going to be going to the grandstand. There'll be there'll be loads of uh, standing room. You think that's right? Yeah, five hundred seats. So it's going to be terrific to watch the AFLW there. And again, the timing's great because I think we're going to have a, a really great team. Um, we've got a young developing team and we've got some marquee signings over the off season. But it's going to be really exciting to go down there and watch uh, AFLW. Not too far from my place either, so that helps a lot. But um, yeah, I mean. <laughs> You could see it coming when Molino was voted onto the board and, you know, Kenneth, Kenneth kind of made way for Gowers and um, I think that had a lot to to do with it and the fact that it's been announced today by the Andrews government before anyone else really does say that politics is alive and well, um, even in football. Yeah, Easter Sunday is one of the quietest days of the year for political announcements, so they dropped it in. Their nice piece of work, I think the, uh, I think the fact that Hawthorne's uh, director of comms, the former uh, Labor Party uh, media uh, superstar or government media superstar, probably helped in that regard as well. So well done to you, Matt. I'm sure you are listening. So that's great news. So Dingley is closer to fruition now. Uh, well done, the Hawks. We've been talking about it for a long time. There was never any real concerns about it, but I think that is set to wait for the right time. So that now takes place. There's some aerial shots on the Hawthorne. Twitter or website recently that showed the ovals have been sort of graded now. So you can sort of see where the ovals are going to be, where the facility is going to be. So now these things just take time. Let's hope for dry enough winter so that construction doesn't get bogged down. It's a fairly tight time, you think, but uh, you would think that we'll be heading out to Waverley for probably two more seasons, this and the next, to, to certainly to watch the senior team uh, train and the, and the women's team list train as well. Um, let's have a quick turn our attention to this all. This is all very good news and really sets the scene for the MCG tomorrow. The blockbuster between 17th and 18th on the ladder. One, again, that Eddie Maguire and his wisdom thinks that if Hawthorne get rolled tomorrow, there'll be discussion about taking the game off for Hawks. 
seem to be forgetting that Hawthorne actually won the game last year. So Geelong would have a winning streak of one in this fixture if they get over the line tomorrow. Selection, Brad was right. I think it might be the first time Brad absolutely nailed selection by saying there'd be no change. So he, uh, he got it right with his should do and will do. And uh, Chad on the bench, uh, as, as the, already named as the emergency, as the as the tactical sub, is a, probably the smart play. You know, you'd like to think he can get on and sort of uh, get back on, get on the ground in the third quarter. Uh, hopefully affect the game somehow and get start get some match fitness back ahead of uh, the gather round game, which I'm sure he'd love to play in, in his home state. The following week, uh, we're now less than, uh, as we record this, we're literally 23 hours and 56 minutes away from uh, the opening bounce. Danny, what do you think? What, what are your thoughts on selection? What are your thoughts also on Geelong selection? We talked about this briefly before we came on. What do you think about the moves the Cats made at selection and how that plays into the game tomorrow? Well, firstly... I think the non-selection of Wingard is uh, a step in the right direction. Um, and I have been a big fan of, uh, of Chad, um, but the inability to, for us to be able to trust his body um, to, to withstand the rigors of a football match and coming off the back of a win where our forwards actually showed a fair bit, um, it would have been really, really harsh on whoever would have made way for him to have to make way. So um, coming him holding him off again and, and ha- bringing him on as a, as the sub is a, is a great idea. I think he has the ability to impact a football match. We know that we know his talent is evident um, and he, yeah, he can turn, turn a game if, and when he does, feels like it. Um, so having him on the bench as a sort of break glass in case of emergency is not a bad thing at all because, um, you know, he can run through the middle if you need him to for patches and um, and create some havoc up forward. So really happy with that. Uh, really happy that they stuck with the guys that did the job last week against North Melbourne. And um, really interested that uh, the 0-3 Cats have gone back to the tried and trusted um, and have dropped their young guns that they were lauded for bringing in. Um, And I feel like, you know, we had messages coming to us saying, you know, that they won't lose a game this year. And how do they get so much better with uh, Bose and Bruin and Henry all coming in, blah, 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 blah. Um, I didn't really like what I saw from Bose last week. Henry and Bruin have been dropped. Um, Clark, you know, he's a young player. We're not slapping him. He's the one they drafted with the Bose pick and he's struggling in the VFL. So, um, you know, sign me up for how we've done things. But I think the, uh, I think the going back to the experience hands shows, as we talked about Ash before we went on, just how desperate they are for a win this week. They, they absolutely do not want to be on four at the hands of um, the tanking Hawthorne footy club um, who are at the start of a rebuild. So they're going to come out all guns blazing, but I don't know how much fire firepower the, these cats have left in the tank. So um, it, it's going to be a really interesting first sort of quarter and a half. If we can hang in there for the first quarter and a half tomorrow, can we're a real show. Um, if they come out and sort of give us a bit of a toweling up, uh, using their experience and their know-how and their obvious talent, um, then we could be in for a long, long day at the footy tomorrow. Yes. Yeah, I've, I've, I've got a bad feeling that Geelong's just going to set up their season tomorrow. But part of me, I, I went into last year's um, Easter Monday clash and had absolutely no expectations either. And we came away with a win and what a win it was. I nearly lost my glasses celebrating that that Mitch Lewis goal. I think Mitch Lewis, obviously a huge absence and 
Um, you know, De Koning in the back line is a big loss for them, but they, they've they still got a lot of super players. Um, I think Reece Stanley's a bit of a, a concern, just how athletic he is, and he, he, he might run Reeves and Meek into the ground. Um, Rowan always plays well against us, unfortunately. Oh, no, he doesn't. Oh, were you agreeing with me, Danny? No, he does, but no, he, he doesn't does. play well against anybody else. No, I, thought, I was right. I was shaking my head <laughs> in bewilderment that this guy that, you know, anytime the pressure is cranked up, um, just lays an egg. Yeah. Um, yet against us, he seems to, uh, that's how he gets new contracts, I think. Yeah, jo- joining the Ben Ronk uh, club there. Uh, Duncan's a big in for them, obviously. And um, I, I think... The fact that we're going in as rank outsiders and Geelong have all the pressure on them could work in our favour. Obviously, this the great news of Will Day re-signing will give the team a big a big lift ahead of tomorrow. And God, it'd be good to roll the caps tomorrow and make them go 0-4. I think that would feel like I would be happy to just not win another game for the rest of the year if we can somehow manage to conjure up a win against them. And look, we mashed up really well against them last year. So... Um, obviously, Mitch Lewis still a massive hole in our forward line, but um, if Brocky can can play like that and you know do he just made that forward line look so much better. A lot of Maisie smart runs and uh, Fergus Green and him played played really well alongside each other. Bruce had a quiet one last week, so um, I'm quietly. I mean, I, I wouldn't say hopeful, but I mean, I don't think it's outside of the realms of possibility. So I will be there and hopefully we'll come away with a close win because we always do against the Cats. It's easy. I think you guys made the point. By the way, shout out and thank you to AJ and to Nat for filling in beautifully on the spaces with you this week, Prinzi. It was a really great podcast. Well done. But the point was made that how much better defensively the Hawks are when Scrimshaw's back in the side because it then frees CJ to play the sort of role, that that running off halfback. And that's the sort of pace that could give Geelong trouble, I think. I mean, they've brought experience back, Geelong, but they haven't addressed speed with their inclusion. So it's good ball use with the likes of Duncan. He's a really good footballer, a really fine footballer. So he'll help them immeasurably, but they haven't really dealt with speed on the game. So there's a recipe for Hawthorne to win. I'm not sure if it's the, the high possession game plan from last week that, uh, the, those who know more about the tactical side of things than me say really troubles Geelong or whether it's just the speed on the game they tried in the first two weeks and basically just run them off their legs. So there's a couple of different alternatives for Sam Mitchell tomorrow, and that's why it's going to be a fascinating game. They they will think they can win the game, Hawthorne. It'll be built up. Even though all the pressure's on Geelong, Sam will be building up. This is this is a day we make right. This is a day, the only day for the year, the football world's going to stop and watch Hawthorne because they're off Broadway pretty much for the rest of the season. So this is a day to... Make some waves, show everyone how good you are, and let let everybody know that we're coming and we're building something nice here. So that's what's that, that's the backdrop to this game tomorrow with Geelong's awful start to the season as well. So it's going to be a really great day for you. I guess one thing before we go, Danny, tactically, what do they do about Tom Stewart? Do they just play negating forward on him? Yeah, I think how the team's been picked now. Yeah, I think they have to play Finn on him. I, I think, yeah, he 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 came in off off an injury last week and was there, I think clearly their best player. Uh, And he creates so much of their drive intercepts cuts off um, forward, forward attacks from the opposition and then starts them for the, for the cats. So if you can bring him down from 30 touches and 12 marks to, you know, high teens and and five marks. um, I think you said, I think the Hawks set themselves up for a legitimate chance. Um, So, uh, 
yeah, I think with De Koning out and, and a few of the other outs, they're they're slightly vulnerable at the moment, especially because they're not playing that well. So I'd be sending Finn to him and say, hey, don't care if you don't touch the footy at all today, uh, Finn, just want to make sure you limit the amount he touches it and just let him absolutely go at him, just be an absolute nuisance and, uh, and see if that uh, makes the impact that we think it might. So, yeah, it'll be a really interesting watch, I think. Um, very interesting to see what tactics... Mitchell goes in with, do they go back to the run and gun type approach that he has been um, sort of famous for? And he did it at Box Hill when he was in the VFL. He's did it. He's done it at Hawthorne uh, using the center corridor or um, do they do what worked for them last week? And what, um, like you said, what experts have said um, the cats are vulnerable against. So uh, maybe it's a mix of both. And maybe it's like what Cicely said on the, um, on the footy show today was it'll be what, Whatever we're given, that's what we'll take. So, um, yeah, we'll see how we go. You'll be watching the game on your phone while you're watching Melbourne City at Olympic Park, at, at uh, Amy Park, or where's I, your first I, love? Which no, one is going to be tomorrow? Yeah, no, no, I'm, uh, I'm going to be watching the Hawks. I'm not going to be watching Melbourne City, unfortunately. Sorry, City. Um, my loyalties lie with the Hawthorne Footy Club. And look, East, East of Monday. Soccer Twitter like, is going to explode. <laughs> no, I think they've already got a villain in Seb Mottram. They don't need me. Um, <laughs> so, um, like it's Easter Monday though, right? Like I, I was saying to my best mate, he goes, oh, you're going to go to the, the soccer or the footy? I said, well, as much as Good Friday is an Easter tradition for me, Easter Monday at the footy's like, yeah. that's what we do, right? So Hawthorne supporters, if you're not going or watching if you can't get there, you're watching it at home or at a pub or something, then shame on you. It is a big game. It's the biggest one of the year. We'll all be there um, and looking forward to it. We'll have our pod, uh, our sort of review pod up late tomorrow night uh, or in your uh, podcast player by Tuesday morning as well as our match review article as soon as possible. Another piece going up tomorrow on the Substack just to get you in the mood for you to read on the train on the way to the MCG for the big game. Uh, so that has been it. Thank you, uh, Darren. Thank you, Ash. And I'm, I've, I don't know if I'm giving it uh, away too much, but the, the piece is on the rivalry. And I think I've gone a bit harder than, than the rest of you guys in my hatred for Geelong. So I'm really hoping for a win tomorrow, even even though an honourable honorable loss would be okay. There's some terrible rumours going around our WhatsApp that Ash is... Uh... Ashes might not be as strong as yours, Darren. Just putting that out there. Uh, Yeah, I read Ashes first and just decided to go the complete opposite way. I I wear two hats and I've had to explain them both. So uh, that's why people will find that interesting tomorrow. But don't be into any doubt as to where the losses will be tomorrow. Looking forward to it immensely. It's uh, it's the first time about five years I've been not in the press box for a Geelong Hawthorne game. So I'm very much looking forward to sitting with everybody, even if it's in the MCC members. so thanks, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your Easter. Thanks for listening to this uh, special edition podcast on Hawks Insiders. $5 a month, $50 a year for great Hawthorne online content. We thank everybody for their great support of all we are doing. Uh, enjoy the footy. We'll talk to you again very, very soon. Thanks and goodbye. This was another Hawks Insiders production. Make sure to subscribe to our Substack for wall-to-wall Hawthorne footy club coverage.